Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Good morning. Hey, how are we all doing? I should move over a little bit, eh? Well, the week did not start how it was meant to. The week did not go how it was meant to. I was meant to be about 25,000 words deep into my thesis. Um, But Gary's sickness uh, said, hey, Shannon, just delay that a little bit. And that's all right, because on Monday morning, Lexi also decided... Um, that her temperature would be rather sizable. So I've had a a week with her and a week of work, um, a week working on my bed, um, listening to a whole lot of kids' shows that um, I don't want in my head anymore. So let's hope Lexi's all better uh, soon. Um, Having Lexi home has meant that Brady, uh, getting Brady to daycare is a little bit more troubling for me, Um, but he sensed this. He's since it's more troubling, and he's been starting to do things a little bit more independently, uh, which, is, which is wonderful and cute and at times hilarious. Um, his favourite way to help at the moment is putting his shoes and socks on. Um, and even if I, I grab his socks to get ready in the morning, he glares at me. He glares at me and he's like, no, mine! But in a cute little, you know, two-year-old. Two-year-old? Yeah, two-year-old. Three? Two? Nah, come on. Two. Stop messing with it. Two, because he doesn't get the childcare subsidy at daycare yet. Thank you very much. Money is always the answer. Two. (laughs) And he glares at me, and he comes and grabs them off me, and he he pulls the socks apart, and he sits down, and he puts them on his feet. Well, he puts them on his toes. And he looks up triumphantly, um, and we high-five, and then he he goes and pulls them on some more. and then he, he gets his shoes, and he undoes the Velcro on his shoes, and he puts his shoes on, and um, sometimes it's successful, but often they're on the wrong feet. Um, but we still high-five because I'm an encourager um, of people trying to do things for himself. And he walks around a little bit, and then he realises that actually this is a little bit painful. Um, and he shouldn't be walking around. Something is wrong, but he doesn't know quite what's wrong. And he comes around, and he sits on my lap, um, and he says, help. And so I take his shoes off um, and put them on the right feet. And sometimes that's okay with him, and sometimes he just wants his shoes off, and so we put them on properly when he gets at daycare. Um, But he's learnt, he's clever, right? He knows he needs shoes to go out. He knows he needs socks with his shoes, and he's learned to a point that certain shoes go on certain feet. Um, If they're on the wrong feet, it, it can hurt. It can hurt soon after they're on, or it can hurt as he's walked a little way. And he knows he needs help, and he knows he needs help to fix it. So there's my story for the morning. What relevance will this play as we go into Hebrews? This is our new series on the book of Hebrews. Um, And so we should have a little bit of background on Hebrews. Um, A bit of scene setting, if you will. Hebrews is one of the books, no, I think the only book in the, the New Testament where we don't know who the author is. The author doesn't identify themselves. Um, and it's a book that a lot of people, a lot of theologians, a lot of early church leaders have argued about who wrote it. Um, initially, it was suggested that Paul wrote it, like a lot of the rest of the New Testament, um, except 
the style of his writing, it isn't the way that Paul's letters reads. It's not, it's not written in the same way. It's more like a Jewish synagogue sermon, um, which, which isn't the way that Paul operates. And so recent suggestions have been that it is um, written by Apollos, um, the man we hear about in Acts 18. Um, he is an eloquent man, um, which means he has the gift of the gab, um, which certainly lends itself to a sermon style uh, rather than a letter. Um, and perhaps if you'd ever read, read any of my letters, you'd know that they are two completely different things. This was written and delivered as a message to the church, to the Jewish Christian church, and most likely the, the Jewish Christian church in Rome around 60 AD. Um, it draws on a lot of the Old Testament symbolism. It's delivered in a way that warns them against falling away or turning back to their old way of life. So that's why I think it's written to the Jews in Rome who have come to faith from the time, from the event at Pentecost. But what's happening in Rome now is making life particularly hard for Christians and particularly, particularly hard for Jewish Christians. Um, it's not as bad as it's about to be because Nero is about to be in charge and then it's going to be all a whole lot worse, but they don't know that yet. Um, but that's what the warning is for. But these Jewish Christians have lost community. They've lost family because Jewish Christians and Jewish Jews, they don't agree on Jesus being the Messiah. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a deal breaker when it comes to faith. And, and so this Jewish Christian church, um, they're facing hardship and they're going back to their old ways. They're going back to their families. They're going back to their communities. And the Jewish Christian church is shrinking. And so this letter is a letter to them, a, a sermon to them, an encouragement to endure the hardships of faith. A warning about what happens to those who do fall away, and encouragement to allow those still there with their faith, to allow their faith to weave deep into the fabric of who they are. And a warning to those who don't let their faith progress from, from being like an infant who only drinks breast milk. Hebrews is written to those who have learned the ways to live, who have observed the ways to live, but they've stayed like an infant, putting their shoes on the wrong feet, but they're walking off alone. And when it gets hard or sore or frustrating, they're walking out on Christianity. They're walking backwards into where they were, into the community they used to be part of. Instead of walking forward, instead of coming to the community that is now forming them, asking them for help, asking them for support, and asking them for encouragement. Hebrews starts like a lot of the series that we have done this year with a reminder of who Christ is. Hebrews 1 reads, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. He shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, you are my son, today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, 
He sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the sun, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. He also says to the sun, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. Make them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for the people who will inherit salvation. Christ is supreme. Christ is the one through whom the universe was created. Christ is higher than the angels. Christ is God's son. Christ is eternal. Christ cleanses us from our sin. Christ radiates God's own glory. Christ expresses the very nature of who God is. Because Christ is God. Hebrews 1. Remember, this was written to a people who were falling away from the Christian church because life was getting too hard. They were being persecuted. And they were going back to a tradition, to a religion that didn't acknowledge Christ as God's son. A religion who looked to angels as God's messengers. And so for us reading today, we might think, well, we know that Christ is God's son. We know that angels aren't God. We don't glorify angels here today. We don't wait for angels to bring us um, what God has said or is saying to us. What does this chapter say to us? It says to us the very same thing it said to its original hearers. Christ is supreme. Christ is the one through whom the universe was created. Christ is higher than the angels. Christ is God's son. Christ is eternal. Christ cleanses us from our sin. Christ radiates God's own glory. Christ expresses the very nature of who God is because Christ is God. Do we get that? Do we live that? Have we let those truths weave deep into the very fabric of our souls, taking root at such a deep level that when the world throws at us, whatever the world's going to throw at us, we can hold to that. We can walk in that knowledge, holding to those truths, resting on and in the relationship that we have with Christ through his spirit, that we can stand strong. Or do we act a little bit like the new Jewish Christian church? Do we waver? Do we let doubt creep in and take hold? What are you doing, God? Where are you, God? What's the purpose in this one, God? Have you ever asked those questions? When life gets in the way and life gets overwhelming and you're challenged to your very core, do you hold the truth of who Christ is or do you waver? I think the last time I asked those questions, it's probably about 12 days ago, I was screaming into my pillow. And it had to be into my pillow because th- this was the week Brady was homesick, so he was asleep, um, and a pillow was a good muffler. Um, and I feel like it was about the 12th week in a row where Brady or Holly or Lexi or me had been sick. Um, 
And it was one of my very low points. I think Gary had just allowed me to go home from the staff meeting, seeing <laughs> what I was like. And, and, and a snotty, crying, screaming mess, yelling into my pillow. What are you doing, God? What is the point of all of this? You know, one of the biggest reasons people, especially newer Christians, but, but mature Christians as well, leave the church is because the church hasn't had answers for when things get hard. Well, there have been answers, but they're not very helpful answers. Um, they're not answers that encourage community growth and not answers that encourage um, growth in our relationship with God. They're, they're not questions that allow people to question more. They're not answers that allow people to question more. And we're allowed to ask those questions. I want to encourage you to ask those questions. Maybe I say that because I was the one asking them about 10 days ago. Because it's better to ask those questions than to be like the Jewish Christians who walked away, who led their families away, who turned back to their old ways, who walked away from the gift that Christ had offered on the cross. And I think one of our greatest opportunities here at GEBC over the next little while is find a place to ask those questions and ask them well and ask them honestly. And we get to sit with the people asking them. We get to love the people asking them. We get to hear them. We get to acknowledge their struggle. But we don't get to answer it with some one-liner which absolves our responsibility of being family together. Because if you look at our year in preaching and teaching, we've gone on a little bit of a journey, right? We've, we've started with the Revelation series uh, where we made sure that you knew that Revelation was all about Christ. And then we went into a Roman series looking at the invitation from Christ and the adoption into the family that, that Christ allows us to have. And then we went into a series in suffering. And now we come back to Hebrews and sit with a reminder of who Christ is. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving holy signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. The truth of Christ is that Christ is supreme. Christ is the one through whom the universe was created. Christ is higher than the angels. Christ is God's son. Christ is eternal. Christ cleanses us from our sin. Christ radiates God's own glory. Christ expresses the very nature of who God is because Christ is God. And the world doesn't want you to allow that truth to weave itself into the depths of who you are. And so hold that truth. When the world isn't throwing its worst at you, you have a choice. You have a choice to grow more, to dig deeper, to invest in the eternal relationship that matters so that the return you receive from that, you can deposit into the human relationships that matter. And when the world is throwing its worst at you, hopefully those deposits pay off. 
Because it's in those times, when it's hard, when it's tough, that we look for choice. You can choose to look to Christ. You can choose to look to his family, to learn to question and lament and grow and endure, to allow him to build your character and build your resilience to hear his voice and walk with him and walk with each other as we journey through valleys. Or you can choose to walk away. Those are our choices. There is always a choice. And I hope, I pray you choose family. And I hope that we are a family here that lets you question, that encourages you to bring those questions to a God that can handle them. We've gone on this journey this year, deepening our knowledge of Christ's supremacy. Let's endure, let's ensure that the deepening enables us to be rooted in him, to be grounded with each other, strengthening each other. Find a place, find your place. Find people who can walk with you as you ask those questions that grow you. That's what the church is for. That's what God designed the church for, to be a people that know him, that love him, and to be a people that show his love to the world by the love that we show for one another. Choose the path that builds you, that grows you, that strengthens your relationship with God and strengthens those relationships. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.